Because the whole world gone crazy! Just please, go nuts. What in God's holy name are you blathering about? I mean, really, explore the space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. Hello. Uh, I'm Andy Bosch. This is my dear friend and confidant, Tyler James Cole. We need to uh, open up some fucked up energy drinks here. Yeah, there's one ahead of you (coughs) due north, if you're looking straight north (laughs) on the table there. (laughs) There you go. Oh, I also brought a cup for myself. If we end up getting into a two-parter today, we need to save the other can. Yeah. 2022. 2,222. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Will be the date in 200 years. This year we're starting out with a new theme. It's New Year, New You. <laughs> it's the year that I go insane. New Year, New Brain. New Year, New Brain. You know how um people say, like, life is your masterpiece? You know, don't let anyone see the brush strokes. Like, uh, don't show people behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. How the cheese is made. Yeah, people don't want to see how the sausage is made. I have never followed that advice. I'm like living the opposite way. I'm That's like, kind of like how... Watch me struggle. <laughs> yeah, right? Look how hard this is for Look, me. Anyway, life, <laughs> they say, <laughs> life is your masterpiece. Don't let anyone see the brush strokes, you know? Yeah. Don't let people see behind the veil, behind the scenes. Today, we're not going to follow that advice at all because we're going to just start diving into a subject that I am uh, learning about as we go, and you're all going to be part of it. It's a, we're here on the podcast. We're doing a, a hard pivot. Hard. A couple episodes on just some history stuff, kind of cool stuff. But now we're going to get into some what we like to call weird shit. Yeah. Have you guys ever wanted to participate in someone making themselves insane? It's a fun game we like to call Break Andy's Brain. Have you ever seen someone slowly destroy their own life (laughs) while studying esoterica and falling apart? Have you ever wanted to watch someone's life collapse around them? (laughs) Well, you're in fucking luck because we're about to go down. uh, We're about to follow a famous psychologist down a very treacherous path into the underworld of the subconscious. And I myself, as an untrained non-psychologist, <laughs> am surely to be just as successful. <laughs> it's going to be great. You know what I was thinking about, though? Good analogy. I have never walked down this path that we're about to follow. But I have been in the woods before. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You've been... I have been, like, forcibly kidnapped out of the back of my brain and thrown into the forest. <laughs> And left to wander for 15 minutes at a time. 15 minutes. You know exactly what I'm talking about. about. (laughs) I've never been down this road. But you've been in these woods before. But I've been in these woods before. Yeah. So I'm not not a total babe in the woods. Anyway, so none of this makes any sense. Let's uh, let's break it down a little bit. Okay, well, here's what I'm talking about. (laughs) Harken back to episode one, all ye faithful who've been listening since episode one. And you'll remember it's been a long bumpy ride. It's been a little bit, but I was talking briefly about the red book, Libra Novus. El Libro Rojo. Yes, also known as Libra Novus, the new book. <laughs> is it new or is it red? It's both. I saw it. Never mind. Yeah. Okay, go on. <laughs> Which was Carl Jung, who's a famous psychologist and psychoanalyst, and we'll go into that a little bit more in detail in just a minute. But it was his documentation of his self experiment 
encountering his subconscious. So if you'll remember, I said I'm going to do three things. I'm going to read that book, Libra Novus. That was number one. Number two, I'm going to follow this um, podcaster and YouTuber. Uh, you'll credit him later. I'll credit him later, yeah. <laughs> follow his Mind Hacking Happiness like tutorial for engaging in this sort of process. And number three, I was going to look up and listen to what's called the Gateway Tapes. Which, well, <laughs> have you ever heard of MK Ultra? <laughs> I have. I don't know all the details on it, uh, but I mean, I know vaguely kind of what it is. But I know. I think we're gonna have to do a whole episode on MK Ultra. <laughs> but MK Ultra, just like a quick overview, was a government program during the Cold War. Uh, who I mean, I don't know its total purpose, but some of the things that came out of that government program was a little thing known as LSD. Oh, I've heard of it. Basically, the U.S. government and the CIA in particular, they they heard that the Russians were trying to get people to, like, psychically connect and astral project and, like, do remote viewing and things like that. Yeah. And so, since the Russians were doing it, the U.S. government was like, well, we we better do that, too. (laughs) We better get ahead of them. And I think it's unknown whether or not um, that was Russian misinformation used to fuck with us and waste our time and money (laughs) or not. (laughs) But, because I think they do that to us a lot. They know we're going to just run down the hole. <laughs> yeah. It was very easy to bait the U.S. like defense budget. <laughs> Definitely. Spend money right? on stuff. <laughs> yeah. There was a long period of time during the Cold War where the CIA and the U.S. government were pursuing a lot of like different things. They were just going for a different approach at war, like just checking out some different stuff. One of those things was LSD and the MK Ultra program involved like dosing people with LSD and trying to get people in these psychoactive states and all this other crazy shit. I don't really know the specifics. We'll have to do a whole episode on it at some point. But another thing that came out of it was this process known as the gateway process. And that's what I am going to be doing. And I'm not going to be using LSD to do it. Oh, you're supposed to be on LSD when you do it? No, but I am supposed (laughs) to have a laser pointed at me. Like in your eye or on your face? I don't know. Somewhere on me (laughs) to align my electromagnetic rhythms with that of the earth. Okay. I just so, read that today. Yeah. I did the first tape the other day. Yeah. And uh, it was good enough without the laser. Yeah. I'll good. tell you what. That's <laughs> fine. So the gateway process is a government sanctioned and studied process to put your mind into a sort of trance-like state. The goal of which is to uh, encourage enhanced strength and coherence. Uh, to your brainwave uh, amps and frequencies between both hemispheres. If you don't understand that, neither do I. <laughs> basically, <laughs> basically. Say it again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a sentence made up words. Yeah. Blah blah glue glue glue. Here's the reality. I've bitten off more than I can chew. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We're going to talk about a really big subject. A couple of them all mixed together. A couple of, yeah, because (laughs) here's the thing. I don't want to do one without the other. I want you guys to watch me not just learn about Carl Jung and Libra Novus, but uh, participate. Yeah, exactly. Walk down the same path as this man. He, this book, Libra Novus, actually, I'm going to read this little thing right here. He described it like this. The years of which I have spoken to you, when I pursued the inner images were the most important time of my life. Everything else is to be derived from this. 
It began at that time, and the later details hardly matter anymore. My entire life consisted in elaborating what had burst forth from the unconscious, and flooded me like an enigmatic stream, and threatened to break me. That was the stuff and material for more than only one life. Everything later was merely the outer classification, the scientific elaboration, and the integration into life. But the numinous beginning, which contained everything, was then. Well, what the fuck does that mean? That means that everything that he wrote about the psychology of the mind, about psychoanalytic study, about mythologies and symbols and personality types, all of that came from this really dramatic period in his own life when he dove in headfirst into his subconscious. Which is what is explained in this book. Which is what is explained in Libra Novus, the Red Book. That's his chronicling of his actual encounters with his subconscious and unconscious mind. Yeah. Now, I figured, why just read it (laughs) (laughs) when I can do it at the same time, like a handbook, like a (laughs) step-by-step process, Yeah, which is actually very much in keeping with Young's, he he said the same thing to his patients. He actually incorporated this work that he did on himself into his psychoanalytic studies for many years thereafter. So just to backtrack a little bit, for those of you who don't know, Carl Young was a Swiss Swiss psychiatrist born in 1875. So we're in the little way, way back machine. Way, way. Way, way. Back to the early 1900s. Carl Jung went to, uh, he was born in Switzerland. He had a pretty normal upbringing. Went to school to become a uh, psychoanalyst, psychologist. It was kind of before the term psychoanalyst even exist. He actually coined that term or was part of it. What did they call it then? Was Was there a different name that they, like was he going into... I think he just went into, you know, it was all a lot more smashed together. Yeah. It was just like psychological medicine or brain doctors. You Uh, know what I mean? They figure out these problems with these people that don't look, don't seem to have problems physically. Yeah. The person, something wrong with his brain. So you hit him with the brain hammer. You use the brain hammer instead of the leg hammer. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Different sizes. You know, I don't, I don't know actually what, like what his major would have been. I think things were a little more loosey goosey back then. Yeah. Like, the world was very different in the 1800s, believe it or not. He began his career as a psychologist at this, uh, like, when he got out of school at the Bergholz Hospital in Switzerland, in Zurich, where he was studying patients and doing psycho, you know, psychoanalysis and trying to help people through these problems and these issues. So that's where he first worked professionally. He, he got really famous around this time for doing this... Uh, galvanism research you know what that is no galvanism is uh basically like studying of electromagnetic pulses oh so it's basically like an eeg machine you know where you put the like the oh yeah just like thing on either one of your temples yeah like kind of just reading all the electrical electrical impulses in your brain yeah so he kind of got famous for this study that he did where he hooked people up to an eeg machine and then he went through a series of like word associations Mm mm-hmm and documented like how their the electrical impulses in their brain were affected reading, you know, associating with these different words. Yeah. And kind of proved that and he kind of was the first person to sort of prove that like there was a physical association with like thoughts and thought patterns yeah. that you so, could like physically measure thoughts and waves in your brain. Yeah. There right? was an actual exchange of electrical anything. Exactly. Yeah. Before people didn't really think of it that way. It's just like, ah, the soul inhabits the body. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) So he kind of, he, 
he was a scientist. Like I know he's become kind of an idol of the sort of like new age wooey wooey movement. And, you know, uh, a lot of what I'm going to be talking about reinforces that. But he he was a scientist and he came into it with a scientific perspective. He wanted to study psychic phenomena, but he wanted to study it scientifically. Yeah, yeah. Just he find put, a way to measure yeah, thoughts in some way. Exactly. But he just did. He didn't discount things offhand. Mm-hmm. Like he wouldn't say, oh, it's just a dream. Or, oh, it's just a vision. Or, oh, it's just your imagination. Yeah. He was like, where does it come from? What makes it work? Yeah. How does it tick? He and Freud began working together in 1906, 1907. And at this point in time, Jung was actually more famous for those studies, the Galvanism studies, um, than Freud was. But as they worked together, they would both become really famous and kind of develop psycho you know develop psychoanalysis as like a respected field of study right yeah so like if you when you think of therapy like when you think of somebody sitting on a couch and saying how does that make you feel yeah tell me more that is psychoanalysis that didn't exist before freud and Jung got together that's like freud and freud is often credited with um, being the father of modern psychoanalysis but he and Jung were you know co-authors yeah of that sort of movement in order to measure brain responses like the best i mean the best way to extract that information is just by talking like just from the just hear it from the patient's mouth it really is so that was a relatively important contribution to the world you know therapy's done a lot of good so they got together 1906 1907 are you familiar with freud at all kind i mean just like i just know that he does the whole uh everything that you do is because you want to fuck your mom or your dad or whatever kind of deal exactly i was <laughs> hoping you would say that <laughs> like his whole so they worked together they worked together uh for a long time they founded the international psychoanalytical association in 1911 and there was a really period good period of happy days but why i wanted you to say that <laughs> is because that's what would eventually lead them to kind of breaking up mm-hmm. several years later freud was obsessed with Everything being related to some sort of sexual impulse. Yeah. Like. Was it him that theorized that uh, basically everything women do is because they want, wish they had a penis or something like that? Oh, yeah. Penis envy. Yeah. Was that him that? Uh, maybe. I think so. Yeah. Or if it wasn't him, it certainly comes from a, a Freudian <laughs> viewpoint that yeah. everything is basically based on the sexual part of the libido. Yeah. He, like, his first thing that made him famous was actually studying cocaine <laughs> <laughs> really yeah like when he was coming up he's he was significantly older than young so he was born he was like 45 when they met and young was like 32 anyway he studied the palliative effects of cocaine yes. <laughs> like distraught <laughs> patients so yeah. he was like dosing people <laughs> that's what kind of made him famous and by the time they got together young was actually more famous for doing the wooey woo like eeg stuff yeah um but anyway they so they found the international psychoanalytical association in 1911 they were internationally acclaimed psychoanalysts. I mean, yeah. this was, they were pioneers of this base, like new scientific movement. Like imagine now if there was just like a new branch of science yeah. and there were just like two guys spearheading it, they would be super famous. You know what? Honestly, like I think Brian Greene is someone I can name who's really famous for string theory. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't even study physics or anything, but yes. I just am aware that there's sort of a fringe thing of science. Or like new area of science, string theory, and that guy is one of the pioneers of it. So it's like that. These guys started this new branch of science basically together and got pretty famous. Now, like we were just saying, Freud was super obsessed with sexual expression being how your personality developed. Yeah. And Jung, like, 
he published this book and he that, that the publishing of that book and his assessment of what libido was is what pissed off freud and broke them up yeah. broke up the band he wrote this book called psychology of the subconscious uh you know symbols of the libido and in it he made a few main points that kind of established him as a different psychoanalyst from freud the way he put it was it was the explosion of these psychic contents this is a quote which could find no room no breathing space in the constrictive atmosphere of the freudian psychology it was an attempt, only partially successful, to create a wider setting for medical psychology and to bring the whole of the psychic phenomena within its purview. Basically, this is where Jung stepped away from the Freudian school of psychoanalysis and branched out and kind of established his own thing. Yeah, so that description there was him describing his own... Yeah, it was him talking about what that, the, what the point was for yeah. that book. It was him... <laughs> trying to bring a lot more under the umbrella of medical psychology than what Freud was willing to engage in. Because again, he really thought everything had to do with early sexual experience. Yeah. And that kind of developed your whole personality. Whereas Jung came up with a few other things that you might be familiar with, such as psychological types. Mm -hmm. Like he was the person who established, you know, like ENFJ Mm -hmm. and like INFTP or whatever. Yeah, all the... Yeah, that was in that book. He said there are basically two types of uh, perception, perceiving types of people. Yeah. So you're either a thinking or a feeling person, right? And then you're either introverted or extroverted. <laughs> he came up with these terms. And then the combinations of those different things basically made up eight different personality types that you could be that, and eight different ways in which your personality would be expressed, right? That is still the basis of like, a whole lot of personality research and study like to this day. Yeah, I know there's a lot of like tests you can do online. I think it's 16, not 8. Like uh, It's 16 now. Yeah, yeah. there's permutations. Because it's, yeah, just like different personality types and like, you know, take a little quiz online. Like, which kind of jobs would you be good at? I know, I sent you that and, and I wanted you to do it. And you, oh, didn't, yeah. you didn't do it. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so in that book, he, he put out a lot of like the ideas of what would kind of become the building blocks of his research and his study later in life and it's through you know the personality types psychoanalysis and comparative religion was also included yeah so this is like he he wanted to study comparative religion as like the psycho psychological science of comparative religion and mythology and symbolism yeah right like he he believed and i think rightly so that like all of those things play a role into how your personality expresses itself in its life. It's not just your early sexual experience. So anyway, that that really pissed off Freud, and that set them apart pretty significantly. Yeah. And it's around this period that he's also decides to undergo this experiment with the self and this study of his own subconscious, and uh, which is documented in the book that we're going to read, Liber Novus. This book sets out a lot of... Uh, his actual fantasies, like the fantasies, not not like things he fantasized about, but his the fantasies or the visions that he experienced yeah. during this process, and he's, he he kind of goes through them one by one and talks about what they ended up meaning to him. Because he the really cool thing about the way this book is set up is it's like first first it's like the first pass when he's going through writing it is just like the actual experiences, and then he comes through and like annotates his own experiences with yeah. like 
how those like like noting like okay that was the experience i had but this is how it ended up affecting me and on later meditation about this i learned this this and this so every like fantasy page then has like this little annotated thing where he's kind of dissecting his own fantasy as a psychiatrist yeah right so he's like doing the work on himself so as you're reading it you're reading like here's the fantasy here's his analysis of his own thing so there's like part one and part two yeah and then there's like part three which is like after going through the whole analysis thing he comes back again with this like further meta analysis of like kind of lining out the whole legend as one thing and like this was actually this i didn't know it when i did my first analysis but it was this after going through the whole thing yeah so you like you described a process would that just be like one like meditation session and then he like is writing and then he would some of these were dreams okay some of them were visions like it kind of helps helps to dial back the clock just a little bit just to get a better understanding of young because when he was a kid it seems it seems like this this guy he, he was a little bit cracked maybe a little <laughs> like <laughs> he had it's from the reading of this book it sounds like he had these really vivid visions and these really vivid experiences that he believed in wholeheartedly kind of throughout his entire life so you're like you're saying what was the process was he meditating was he dreaming i don't really know he he just had these experiences he saw these visions in his waking life yeah when he was a kid he had this vision come over him of a field with like a like a well surrounded by stones and he like went down into the well he was about 12 when he had this vision like went down the staircase and went underground underneath this field and underground he saw a golden throne and in the golden throne was a tree trunk made of flesh with an eye on the top Later on, he realized it was a big dick. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, like, that was a formative experience for him because he... I bet Freud was all over that. I'm sure he was. I'm sure he was. <laughs> but he had this he had this vision, this fantasy of this, like, big phallus, and later he realized it was, like, this ritual phallus, and later he equated it to Jesus. Hmm. Yeah. And, like, the worship of jesus and the worship of the phallus and anyway (laughs) that was when he was 12 (laughs) and then he had another vision a couple years later he was raised very catholic Mm -hmm. right and he had this this situation he wrote about it where this evil thought kept coming into his brain he was contemplating like this cathedral in his hometown that had recently had a new roof built it was like a beautiful new roof put on it it was like gold and it was like, or like bronze or something. It was shining, beautiful roof on this cathedral. Yeah. Right. He'd walk by it every day. He'd look at this roof and this evil thought would occur to him over and over. And he kept pushing it away and he kept pushing it away and he kept pushing it away. So what was that thought? Until one day he let himself think the oh, thought. Oh, what was the thought? What was the thought? The, <laughs> the, th- the thought was of God in heaven taking a mighty shit. Oh. <laughs> and that shit coming down out of the sky. And destroying the beautiful roof of this cathedral. <laughs> Epic. <laughs> and when, so when Young allowed himself to think this thought. He started laughing really hard. He was, no, he was overcome with a sense of relief <laughs> <laughs> and release. And he had this religious experience from letting himself have this thought of God taking a giant shit on the cathedral. <laughs> yeah. Right? Shortly thereafter, it was like his 14th birthday, or he went to his first communion. I don't really know how Catholicism works. So maybe he was a little (laughs) younger. I don't know. But he goes to his first communion 
And, you know, he takes the body and the blood of Christ into himself or whatever. And he's expecting to have a religious experience. And he says, like, when he writes about it later, he's like, it was hollow. There was nothing. I didn't feel God in the room at all. And he had had these sort of profound, meaningful experiences with that, like, weird dream about the penis and throne. Yeah. And with God shitting on top of the temple. Like, he felt God. Yeah. In those moments. Just like, not in that on moment a, on a he was real, supposed to. Yeah, on a real personal level. Yeah. And when he attended his first communion and he did not feel anything, he was like, this is horseshit. <laughs> this, is, this is bullshit. This, and it was at that point that he he knew that, like, God is out there. But he's not in the church. He's not there anymore. And he would kind of, like, he wasn't super public about that view. Yeah. But I think. But it would have been hard to have been at that time. Uh, certainly. Yeah. But that's probably a good place to start because that informs you, like, who is Carl Jung? Like, that is kind of how we get a person that then really goes balls deep into studying his own mind. Like, studying the subconscious and being like, this is real. You know what I mean? Like, he's the type of guy where that religious experience he had of imagining God take a shit is more profound to him than the entire church. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because there's a way to feel it, because there's a tangible connection with it. Mm-hmm. I And I, you know, I think that's part of why I wanted to do this subject is because, like, I totally relate to that. Like, I feel, I've felt many moments of, like, profound connection and spirituality and, like, I've had a few experiences, not all of them on drugs, that have really made me believe that there is something bigger that we're connected to, right? You can find it, but you're not necessarily going to find it reading the Bible or whatever. Some people do. Some people do. Some people go to church and they find God. That's not where I find God. (laughs) But there's something out there worth experiencing and worth connecting to. And and this guy was like on it from the time he was like 12, 13, 14. Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to be how he ends up approaching psychological study he comes to it with this 100 percent confident knowledge that you can basically find god find divinity through this study and he's going to do that and he's going to help other people do it so yeah let's let's jump into it (laughs) (laughs) um so in order to understand what it is we're going to talk about and what the process of studying and engaging with the unconscious and the subconscious is we're going to want to kind of define that a little bit. So obviously, or not obviously, your conscious mind, right? Those are your regular thoughts. That's you thinking like, I want a sandwich. I'm going to go to school, blah, 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 blah. Underneath your conscious mind, your brain is doing a whole lot of stuff without you really being aware of it, right? Yeah, you're thinking, I want to fuck that sandwich. You're thinking, I want to fuck that sandwich. You're like, I want to fuck that school bus. <laughs> whatever you want to do. (laughs) So, I mean, it's pretty, I I feel like that term, the subconscious or the unconscious is pretty ubiquitously used, but I don't think we talk about or think about it in kind of a real way that much, right? Yeah. Like how often do you acknowledge that your brain is making decisions about what you want without you knowing it? It's definitely happening. It's definitely happening. (laughs) Yeah. It's happening all the time. Like 90%, 99% of the decision that you're going to make consciously has already been made. In your subconscious mind. Companies know this, and they can use sort of subliminal imaging or messaging to influence your decision making. And they can use the data that you give them to predict your behavior, probably usually better than you can. And you know how they're doing it? They're paying attention to your subconscious. That makes sense. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, they're paying close attention to what you're doing. Much closer attention than you are. Much closer attention. And so 
they're paying attention. They're looking at 90% of your decision-making body. And you're, if you're not engaging in this type of study, you're only looking at 10% of your decision-making body. Yeah. In order to see your subconscious and to think about your unconscious mind and your conscious mind, you have to engage in what I'm going to use Sean Webb. This is the podcaster from Mind Hacking. Oh, yeah, the guy that you're going to credit. Yeah, I'm going to credit him. His name's Sean Webb. And I started listening to his stuff a couple months ago. And I really like the way he approaches it. Um, So thank you, Sean Webb. I'm going to borrow some of your stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So let me ask you a question. And I think I asked you this on one of our Fuck Around episodes, too. If you're thinking a thought and then you catch yourself thinking the thought, what is the what is the part of you that is doing the catching? That would be your conscious mind. Your conscious mind was the one having the thought. Okay, yeah. So like when I'm thinking I want to fuck that sandwich. And then you think to yourself, "Oh, I shouldn't think that." <laughs> that's weird for me to think that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm talking that's about. That's society. That's the part that's uh, mm, yeah, <laughs> making me feel shame. Well, okay. <laughs> so, the idea is there are a lot of different approaches to doing this. There and but the whole kind of idea the whole goal of all these different approaches, many of them are religious, many of them are like yogic, many of them are like trance study and things like this, is to kind of create a divide between you and what you think of as you. Okay, yeah. There's your you, who you are, yeah. and there's who you think you are, which is definitely not, a, not the same person as what you yeah. are. Yeah. Yeah. And so it helps if you can imagine... That you have several different layers of awareness, right? There's your aware thinking mind, the one that's like, I want to have a sandwich, right? There's the subconscious mind that actually made your thinking mind think, I want to have a sandwich, yeah, right? And then there's another part of your mind that's watching those two things happen. And it's hard to kind of imagine it, but when you engage in meditation, that's actually what you're doing. Or you really get to see it on display, because when you try to think about nothing and thoughts come to you unbidden, you realize that your brain is creating this stuff and shooting it out there. Yeah. Even though you're saying to yourself, just focus on your breath, just focus on your breath, just focus on, on your breath. Oh, that girl's ass is hot. I mean, just focus on my breath. What am I going to do later? Don't think about dicks. Don't think about dicks. Don't think about dicks. Oh, there's a dick. But no, but you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like you can be consciously engaged with, I'm not going to have any thoughts. And then you, another part of your brain produces a thought yeah and part of meditating is just like observing what thoughts come out of nowhere exactly so if you can put yourself in the seat of the passive observer and watch your brain create thoughts then you aren't your brain creating those thoughts right or at least there's a piece of you that isn't that part of your brain creating those thoughts that is what we're going to call meta awareness right so it's an awareness of your conscious mind separate from your conscious mind. And so we're using the term, Sean Webb's term, meta-awareness. That's basically just uh, the part of your brain that observes your own brain. Yeah, the self-observation <clears throat> awareness. That's right? called the fun police. Yes, this is the this is the fun police. This <laughs> yeah. is the HR department, right? They're but, saying, you don't want a sandwich. Well, here's the thing. So I encourage you to try meditating sometime this week between this episode and next episode. All right. Just to give it a shot. Just yeah. to see what I'm talking about. I've never really done it. I've wanted to, but I've never done it. So yeah, I you know I I'll try it out. Have only recently started doing it. Give me a homework assignment already. Yes, I am. I'm not very <laughs> good at it, but just try it between yeah. now and next episode because you'll kind of see what I'm talking about. And if you think about it in these terms, yeah, you'll sit back. The easiest way to meditate is to just focus on breathing. Just 
try to just think about breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. As things come up, don't stifle them, don't shut them down, but just let them come up and pass you by and keep going Mm -hmm. and try to return your awareness to your breathing. For me, I feel like I have to, I have to have a chorus of like three to four voices in my mind literally saying breathe in breathe out yeah <laughs> in order for me to like shut down like the three or four different parts of me that's yeah. gonna shoot different thoughts into there yeah anyway it's kind of fun it's totally fun and it's it has numerous health benefits it turns out meditating does <laughs> all that to say that your mind isn't like necessarily one cohesive whole right there are different parts to it yeah there's your conscious mind there's this meta awareness there's your subconscious mind so Carl Jung, this is he wouldn't have put it in those terms, but he was engaging in that process as well. Yeah. He was looking at his brain, looking at himself and saying, like, where is this coming from? What is going on here? Yeah, he was engaging in the same process without even really knowing it. Or, I mean, he, he basically invented <laughs> engaging <laughs> in this process. I mean, except that there are all these different religions that basically do that same yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. he's just the first one that wrote it down. Yeah, the first one that kind of codified it. Yeah. yeah and wanted to but do like, scientific yeah, stuff it's, on it. Yeah, it's something that people have been doing for a long time. Monks and... Uh, it's monks. Those folks. Yeah, exactly. People <laughs> yeah. have been meditating for a long time. Yeah. So that's part, that, that's part of what Jung was doing. That's a big piece of the Mind Hacking Happiness YouTube series that I'm going through, Sean Webb. And that's a big part of the gateway process. Although, and we're going to get there in just a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need to get into the gateway we're process. We're going to get into the gateway process in just a second. I thought the gateway process was going to be more like the mind hacking happiness, like strengthening the muscles of your meta-awareness process. Let me explain that, just a real quick benefit of that. The first thing you run into is this thing that Sean Webb and many others call name it, tame it. So once you start meditating a little bit and you get better at being able to just identify the feelings that are coming up exactly identify that your brain is creating things unbidden yeah once you're used to being able to kind of step back and look at your brain like it's something else then it'll be easier for you when you have a strong emotional response to take a step back and be like why am i responding in this way exactly first you identify the oh man there's a lot of anger popping up here where is that coming from then you can start like yeah to identify it you can yeah in order to know thyself yada yada that bullshit absolutely <laughs> yeah I, you're right there with me and yeah. i love it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just don't remember the quote word for word <laughs> but yeah i don't either but i mean know I thyself a... to thine own self be true anyway because that really is what this is all about yeah. knowing yourself but one of the great benefits of meditation and engaging in this meta awareness process and strengthening that muscle is to be able to take that step back at will when you're having a strong emotional response and saying, okay, this is anger coming up. This is why that's anger coming up. And as soon as you do that, it dissipates. The physical reaction, the physical response your body's going through, the stress hormones, the cortisol spikes, those are going to drop off. Those are going to go down. Your heart rate's going to go down. Your breathing's going to go down. Yeah. Literally, as soon as you're able to tell your limbic system, which is what's causing, it's part of your brain, parts of your brain that engage in these emotional responses that's your limbic system it's firing like crazy when you're freaking out about something but as soon as you take that step back and engage in that process of meta-awareness and say okay i'm just freaked out because i'm not sure about this thing that all quiets down that all calms down and you're able to think more clearly and you're able to react more intelligently according to sean webb when your limbic system is firing which is the emotional response you lose 10 to 20 IQ points. Oh, damn. Yeah, because you're in that's fight like or flight my, mode. That's like yeah. half my IQ. I know. You can't have that. <laughs> that. That is just an early, quick, easy benefit of yeah. this sort of process. It's just being able to 
basically stop yourself from freaking out yeah. by looking at the experience you're having from an objective viewpoint. So like I was saying, I was expecting the gateway process to be much more about engaging in this meta-awareness and, process. And knowing thyself. And knowing thyself. And I I mean, I can't speak to the whole thing because it's like 16 tapes and I've just done one of them. Okay. But it's a whole fucking different can of worms, dude. <laughs> yeah. Have, yeah. It is a whole different experience. Yeah. We haven't really talked about it yet because we were saving it for the pod. I, I wanna, know. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing about it. Okay, so what it is, I mean, I... Basically, you know, the CIA and the U.S. government have engaged in a lot of different attempts at being psychological spycraft, basically. Yeah, especially like... Yeah, have you seen the movie The Men Who Stare at Goats? I have. Okay. (laughs) Have you seen the show uh, Stranger Things? Yeah, exactly. Stranger Things, Men Who Stare at Goats, that kind of shit, right? Yeah, just remote viewing and like... Remote viewing, uh, out-of-body experiences, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing, right? These tapes were declassified in 2003, and nobody fucking caught wind of them at all. And then recently, like in 2020, 2021, they started to kind of blow up a little bit on TikTok. Yeah. You said they're kind of a tape that they just kind of lay out the process of. Well, there's two parts. So the gateway process is a declassified document and you can read the whole thing. Yeah. And in it, this guy talks about how to get your brain to this point and like engage in these trance like states to get your consciousness to be unbound to your body and free in space and time. Yeah. He literally says that in a U.S. government document. Like... Fuck yeah. Yeah. This... And it's crazy because before I even discovered these things, I was talking to you about time travel in my own timeline. Yeah, exactly. This guy's doing it. Yeah. Or he says he can teach you how to do it. He studied a bunch of stuff to get here too. Like he studied monks and like kundalini. I don't even know what that means, but kundalini trance yoga stuff. Yeah. Like studied all these different things and then was like, okay, it's all about brainwave frequencies... It's all about getting your consciousness into this particular state, and then you're able to do these things. So he wrote up a whole dossier about it, and he recorded these 16 training tapes to put a participant through the training process yeah. of the gateway process. So how does, it's like each tape kind of just gets you closer to the thing, or to the to the ability, or... I mean, I've only done one tape, yeah. so I mean, I imagine... Uh, well, it's not like a one-time-through thing. It's it's like, uh, you know, there's like stage one and you might have to do the stage one tape five or six times oh. before you're ready for like the stage two stuff. Okay, okay. Yeah. So it's like a, it's it's training. It's a training program to get you there. I've only done the sort of introduction to the process, yeah. just the first tape, <clears throat> but it's already blowing my friggin' mind, dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know how many of you out there have ever been hypnotized, but I had never been hypnotized until last Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 You texted me saying, these gateway tapes are no joke. And since no, then, I've been pretty fucking excited to hear about it. They are no joke. I, like, okay, I walked into this process very skeptical. Yeah. Thinking that I was just going to listen, like I was saying, listen to someone talk about, hey, try to engage with your own mind and, you know, engage in mental awareness and think about what you're thinking about and blah, blah, blah. Don't be a slave to your own emotions. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But no. Uh, let me just just I'm just gonna run you through tape one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So it's this man's voice. Uh, he sounds like a white scientist, and he is. His name is <laughs> he's U.S. Army Lieutenant Colonel Wayne McDonald. He's the one who who made these tapes and wrote up this whole process, right? So when you put on the tapes, it starts with just the sound of the ocean. We're like breaking waves, right? The sound of ocean surf, of waves, 
a natural sound most people find pleasing and relaxing. And that's like kind of the primer he for every episode. Yeah. He's like, and his he comes in and tells you that. He says, this is going to be like kind of your introduction to every episode. The sound of the ocean. It's the sound of natural, it's the sound of natural energy. It's the sound of natural frequencies that exist all around you. Mm-hmm. The sound of the ocean is a, typically a calming sound to most people. And it's what's going to help you get into this state. So I'm going to start every episode or every tape with this. Yeah. Right. And he explains that to you. And then he's like, right now you should be hearing uh, my voice in your right ear. If you're not hearing my voice in your right ear, turn your headphones around. Because what he's about to get into is called hemi-sync. He calls it hemi-sync. Huh. Which is hemispheric synchronization. Which means he's going to get the two halves of your brain to synchronize electrically. Yeah. And and that's going to help us get to this next state, right? So you're like, okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so then he plays a tone in your right ear. And he's like, listen to the tone. It's steady and non-moving. And then he plays another different tone in your left ear. He's like, listen to this tone. Notice that it's steady yeah. and unwavering. And then he plays both tones at the same time. And there's this like tremulous warble, like one, 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 one. And he's like, if you hear that, that's your brain starting to achieve hemi-sync. And you're <laughs> okay. like, okay, here we go. He's like, this is a new feeling for you. Sink into this feeling. Enjoy it. You are both calm and alert while you're experiencing this feeling. You're like, okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, man. Um, you know what would be kind of fun, actually? What's that? It's for us to do it. It's like 30 minutes long, but yeah. at some point, we should just sit here like we're doing right now yeah, and I'm fucking play it. it. Yeah. Right. The other, th- so... I'm kind of spoiling it for you because I think you should do it, but uh, but I guess you shouldn't, and I should just be the okay. subject. You're okay. just in the splash zone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm the, the passenger seat. Yeah, exactly. And then he tells you this is this part started to freak me out a little bit when I was first doing it. Like the first time I did it, I was laying in bed and it was nighttime and I was going to go to sleep. And uh, this part freaked me out, and I stopped the tape. He's like, "Okay, now I want you." Cause, so you're in the hemisync state. You're yeah. calm, but you're alert. How long does that take? Is it that tone it goes like for ten or twelve minutes in? I think the tone uh, only lasts yeah. for like three or four minutes. No, it's still but a long time, yeah. The other crazy thing is the exp- I f- this is it was crazy. I was laying in bed when I first did it, and I could literally feel this pressure like inside my head, huh? In the middle of my head, yeah. I could feel this like right between your right, right hemi, between my fucking legs, right hemi of your spheres. Yeah, and I don't know how much of it was just suggestion, but I felt pressure in my yeah. brain, huh? And then he's like, okay, now you're going to imagine a box. This is your uh, personal energy conversion box, which he hasn't totally explained to me yet. I yeah. imagine in tape two we're going to get into it more. Right. And he's like, imagine a box with a heavy lid, right? Now open the lid and put your physical self, all your emotions and all your worries in the box, and then close the lid. And that's where I was like, no. <laughs> I got no, <laughs> not today. I, I'm going to sleep. <laughs> and yeah. I don't want to lose my body while I'm sleeping. So I stopped. So I shut off the tape, right? I'm, after only like 11 or 12 minutes. Yeah. Turned off the tape and I was trying to go to sleep and I still had that energy, like that fucking pressure in the middle of my head. Yeah. Like humming huh. inside my brain for like 30 or 40 minutes. Yeah. And then I had to watch some stupid show or something to like go back to normal person. <laughs> yeah, to use like, TV to turn fix... my brain off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, turn your brain back to normal. Cause it, uh, yeah. And I was like, oh shit. So then a couple days later, I did it here in the yeah. studio. And uh, so you take your physical self <laughs> and all your emotions and all your cares and your stresses and your worries and you put them in the box. And then you put that big old heavy lid on it. Yeah. And I had a hard time. 
I've engaged in meditation a little bit at this point, right? So I'm trying to like actually do that. And the way I ended up like visualizing it, this is kind of interesting to me at least. I put my physical self in the box and then I imagined my worries and my concerns as marbles, as like different colored marbles. Yeah. And I just like dumped them all in the box. I like dumped all. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. I like needed sort of a, I guess yeah. I needed a sort yeah. of visualization and for that's... it. So I imagined all my worries and concerns and stresses as these individual little different colored marbles. Like my work ones were blue, my romance ones were red, like my Bodhi ones were black. And I put them all into this box and then I clo- I looked at them all in there and then I closed the lid. And then he's like, now that all your worries and cares and everything are in the box, turn away from the box. So then you have to turn around. So it's it's hard kind of to, to visualize all this and to, to engage with this all in your own mind. But I did. And so like I turned to the left away from the box and I'm looking away from the box. And then I don't really know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> he just keeps talking. Then he start he goes on and there's more tones that happen. But I remember in that moment, this is this is weird. <laughs> but I remember then in that moment, I'm like, okay, my physical self, all my thoughts and worries or concerns are in the box. And now I'm looking away from the box and I'm looking into outer space. This is just how I was experiencing it, right? And I'm like, okay, but who am I now? And then the other voice said to me, you're the golden beetle. You're Malachi. And I'm like, the fuck is Malachi? <laughs> I don't know what or what the fuck that came from. <clears throat> yeah. But that was interesting. And then somewhere around here, I either fell asleep or this is where I got hypnotized. Because then I don't, you're like, you're going out into this other plane, this other sort of existence. And this is when like my roommate got home and was looking in the door at me and I was sitting here with my eyes open, but not aware that he was standing right in front of me. Yeah. And then. The next thing I like remember is the voice in the headphone saying, now come back. Huh. And then I like kind of came to yeah. and felt really weird. <laughs> yeah. And then he kind of like, oh, I forgot. I skipped a whole part. Oh, what the fuck? Sorry. <laughs> you turn away from the box yeah. and you're staring or you're like, for me, I'm like staring out into space in my head and he's like, now we're going to, we're going to do some tuning, right? Mm-hmm. So he he p- starts playing a series of tones and he's like, just listen to these tones, right? And you're engaging in this breathing at the same time. So you're doing this in, inhale through your nose, exhale through your mouth, breathing. Yeah. And when you inhale through your nose, your eyes are open and you're pulling energy in and all the way up to your head. And then you exhale through your mouth and your eyes are closed and you're letting like old stale energy you're pushing old stale energy out of your body when you exhale and you open your eyes and inhale and you bring in new fresh energy yeah and you're exhaling old energy okay and then so you're doing that and then he plays the tones right and you're still doing the breathing and he's playing the tones and then he's saying okay now on your exhale either hum or sing in tune with the tones okay and the tones are changing, so you got to kind of change your pitch to match the tones as it's going. So you're still doing the inhales, but then you're like... on your Just on your exhale? Yeah. Yeah. And then you... The tone changes, yeah. Right? So you're doing yeah. this, and you're following them along, and that's when I lost the thread. 
like that somewhere in there. And he says like this is your this is this re- resonance tuning that yeah. you're doing. Huh. Somewhere in there, I went into like a trance basically. Yeah. And I don't really know what happened, but that that part was really cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because it's I mean it's just a trip when you're like. You're hearing this tone, and you're like trying to match this tone, and you're like doing this breathing. It it really puts you into a different state. Yeah, it puts you into a different, an altered state of consciousness, like straight up. It's like doing drugs, or not sleeping for a long time. Like you, you really f- you can feel physically the difference in your brain's operating conditions. Yeah, it's really crazy. I'm looking forward to doing some more. Yeah, yeah. I remember. Like when we were in high school, somebody got a hold of some little MP3 files that were just like tones, and they're like supposed to different ones are supposed to do different. Have I remember different that. effects of drugs. I don't remember. Uh, Devin had that. Yeah, and I mean, I never tried one, but I remember like people would like, oh, I'll have one headphone in, and you have the other one, and we'll. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm just like, I know that's not gonna work because you guys you're supposed to have both headphones in. Mm, you were smart. Yeah. Even though I didn't try, it. I mean, if I was smart, I would have tried it with both headphones. But. I know. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, um, it's kind of sounds like a similar kind of deal. It's kind of the same deal. And I think, so I did a little bit of sort of research into like, because this is brainwave manipulation, brainwave mm-hmm. uh, frequency manipulation, Yeah, which I didn't really understand. Yeah. But basically there, um, you understand frequency a little bit, yeah. right? So you understand the Hertz scale. Yeah. So basically your, your brainwaves can operate from 0.1 Hertz all the way up to like 44. And that has to do with... Basically, the frequency of the electrical impulses like traveling back and forth across yeah. your brain, right? They've kind of classified your your ranges of brainwave frequency into five different categories. Based just based on the speed, like the frequency itself, like the frequency itself, and what like one through five is this, five through ten is this, or yeah, that kind of well, that yeah, kind of, it's what it's called, and what you engage in, what you're doing when your brain is doing those things. So the top range, which they call gamma. Mm-hmm is above 30 hertz yeah right anything above 30 hertz is gamma that's you're very alert you're very aware and you're usually you're focusing on a like a mentally intensive thing like if you're trying to figure out a difficult problem that you're really focused on okay so a different a different range of frequencies like would kind of indicate a different mood a different mindset yeah or like okay yeah so if you're if you're focusing on a difficult problem that requires a lot of brain power Mm -hmm. Your brain's operating in this above 30 hertz, high frequency, high yeah. frequency range, right? A lot of information being transmitted. A lot of information. You know when your computer, like, fan kicks on? Mm-hmm. Because it's that's what that is. It's an overdrive. Right? <laughs> it's an overdrive, right? A lot of electricity flying around. Yeah, so that's gamma range. Mm-hmm. That's 30 and above. From 13 to 30, that's beta range. That's, like, aware and awake, but more normal operating. Mm-hmm. Like going about your day, driving your car, like uh, normal stuff. Yeah. Not like high focus or da 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 da. Lower than that, eight to twelve. That's alpha, and that's usually more meditative, uh, but it's also attributed with like flow state. You know. Yeah. Like when I was doing the drywall. Oh yeah. That experience I had was probably me dropping into the alpha brainwave nice. range, where I'm like. I really like talking about the drywall story. <laughs> I do too, man. It's a very calming. I don't even remember thing. If, if it's made it into the podcast yet, but I don't know either. But someday it will, maybe from this conversation. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so alpha brainwave state—that's from eight to twelve hertz. That's sort of meditative, but it's kind of when you're in the flow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're just uh, you're like engaged in what you're doing. You're not so. thinking actively about it. Yeah. You're just doing it, right? 
and that apparently that brainwave state and I mean the flow yeah. has like a lot of health benefits associated I bet, with it. Yeah, because it's like I would imagine the high frequency like high alertness would be kind of usually more stressful. Yeah, it uses a lot of energy and yeah, a lot of wear and tear. Exactly. Or equivalent on the inside of your brain. <laughs> yeah. Something I don't understand enough about electricity um, or waves in general, but, but it's true. Like typically higher frequency waves. More energy. More energy. Yeah. But they travel less distance, right? Like radio waves are longer, lower frequency waves, but they travel farther. It kind of depends on the medium. Mm. Like uh, sound, you know how if somebody's got a really good subwoofer, uh-huh. you can hear it from farther away. Mm-hmm. But if you play higher frequencies at that same range yeah. or same volume, like the higher frequencies kind of get absorbed by the by, by more stuff. Yeah, so they kind of dissipate quicker, so you can't hear them as far away. Right. If it's like in space, they'll both travel the same. Right. But like their their lower frequencies are less. They move through affected. things. Yeah, they're right. less affected by interference or like right more resilient, I guess. That has something to do with <clears throat> what we're talking about yeah. because as we get into these lower ranges, that's where people talk about being able to like read minds and shit. Uh-huh. So that has to do with like, if your brain is in this lower, what we'll call, we'll get down there, like theta or delta mm-hmm. brainwave state, which is theta is four to eight hertz. And then theta is 0.1 to 3.5. That's where you can engage in sort of like cross brain yeah. <laughs> connections. So, so this like... gateway process is trying to get your brain down into these levels while you're awake. Uh So we'll talk about theta, four to eight. That's meditation. I think you called them both theta. Well, four to eight is theta. Delta is Delta. Okay, you called delta theta earlier. Yeah, point Uh, one to 3.5. So theta is four to eight. Delta is one. Four to eight is where you are kind of when you're meditating or sleeping. Meditation. Or when you're podcasting. Meditation. There's a lot of learning and learning uh, memory stuff can occur in four to eight. And like not as like light sleep. Yeah. Right. And then Delta 0.1 to 3.5, that is trances, deep sleep. And that's where you can access your unconscious. Yeah. Your subconscious. Frequency of 0.1 is really fucking slow. It's a real slow. It's one wave passing every 10 seconds. Boom. Boom. Is that what that is? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's why I'm saying like, oh, I think I fell asleep. Because that's my frame of reference yeah, exactly. from that's my brain like. operating like yeah. that. But they said, I was reading this thing that was saying it's, it's high amps, low frequency. And I don't understand how that applies to brainwaves because I haven't done enough yeah. amps thinking about it. would be, they're kind of independent of frequency. It's just higher, higher, taller waves. Mm. They're still coming at the same rate, mm-hmm. like per second. Right. But they're just high, higher, so still more energy. Right. Still more. So Yeah, just a kind of different. Kind of more energy, different than, type of more energy. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. more energy is higher frequency, but also could be yeah. higher uh, peaks yeah. and valleys of the exactly. wave. Yeah. So one one thing I was reading about delta waves is that you typically are associating not only with this low frequency, but a higher amperage okay, when yeah. you're in these trance-like states. Yeah. So there's like, I mean, I don't know how. <laughs> I'm just on the tip of the iceberg. This is what I was saying earlier. Yeah. I haven't studied all this, but I'm gonna as we're going through yeah. it, and I'm every week I'm gonna know a little bit more about the experiences that I'm yeah. having as I'm having them. So you guys get to see the sausage yeah. get made, or you get to hear, you get to hear the sausage <laughs> get made, which is maybe better. Yeah, you get to hear it. Yeah, yeah. And guess what these sounds are? Fucking waves. There, dude. 
Yeah. It's all waves. It's all waves. It's all waves, man. But yeah, I'm glad we're talking about waves because waves are my shit. I like waves. I, I'm glad that waves are your shit, dude. <laughs> I'm glad that your shit is waves. <laughs> I'm, uh, uh, yeah, I get pretty good familiarity with waves. Good. Well, I'm, I'm happy to be able to ask these yeah. questions. Yeah, and I'm glad to be able to explain it a little some bit. Knowledge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the gateway process has to do with getting your mind into these, into these states of like theta and delta yeah. wavelengths or frequencies um, while being awake. Because normally you can't do that unless you're asleep, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. But if you're awake and you're able to sort of guide your yeah. own experience in these states, like consciously, semi-consciously, that's when you can do weird shit. Yeah. Like Basically, see what's going on in Russia right yeah. now from here. So I think what usually occurs when you go into that state is you're asleep. Yeah. And so you're not really in control because you're asleep. But it, and that's kind of what happened when you did on your first try. You kind of yeah. fell into sleep. But once you are practiced enough at doing that... You get into that state, but you're still aware. Exactly. And in control, then you're... Then you can do, you can do magic shit. Yeah. That's when my magic powers are going to And the reason, that's the reason you thought you were asleep is because you probably were because like, you're still a newbie. You, you have no control over it. I fell yet, asleep. So. Exactly. Yeah. Once you, you're right. Once you get it figured out, you'll, you'll be flying around doing weird, crazy loop-de-loops in, uh, in space. Yeah. Out-of-body experiences yeah. is what this guy says. <clears throat> Lieutenant Colonel Wayne McDonald says you can achieve out-of-body experiences yeah. by getting your brain into this place. Yeah. This is where we're going. This is where this podcast is going. This cool. is the pivot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're getting into some weird shit now. We're going down a rabbit hole. So here's the thing. Young did this very differently. Yeah. Not with trance-like tapes. Oh, yeah, we need to get back into, was, or, I mean, for the next strip- episode, we need to talk about uh, what kind of experimenting shit he does. Yeah, we will. We'll yeah. go into it. We'll start getting into his, what makes up the red book, which is what's called the black books, (laughs) which were like his raw data. And then we'll get into uh, the first few uh, experiences that he had. He calls them fantasies, but the first few, you know, fantasies that he has and the beings that he encounters when he's in these trance-like states. And then we'll talk more about my experiences because I already ran into the golden beetle in Malachi and I don't know what the (laughs) fuck that is, but... (laughs) Well, Young's self-exploration was not, I mean, I I don't know how he put himself in this state, but he could just do it. That's kind of what I was saying earlier. Yeah, you don't know if it was meditation or... Yeah, it was meditation, but it was was his own thing. You know what I mean? He was just doing it. And he was, um, part of it was dreaming, part of it was journaling. Yeah, maybe like whether or not he was trying to do it or if he would just be walking down the street and all of a sudden be struck by a vision. That's the thing is, it seemed like like, he could just kind of do that. Like he just kind of plugged into his shit. In a totally different way. So it though. doesn't really explain how. Not really. Hmm. No, he just had he just had these experiences. Yeah, I think maybe in some of his other works, you could glean what it was that he was doing by mm-hmm. him talking about engaging it in it with patience. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Because, like his methods that he's doing on them, he's also doing on himself. I yeah, guess. because the whole thing, he didn't want to release the Red Book. Um, he felt like if. The world at large knew that he was undergoing this self-study in his own fantasies. Yeah, they would discredit his psychoanalytic that makes sense professional yeah. life. Yeah. So the reason the Red Book didn't get released until 2009 huh. is because he was he uh, he underwent this lifelong self-experiment yeah. of his own subconscious, but he didn't he didn't want to discredit himself. Yeah, and I remember you explained it to me as you kind of said like what he's basically doing is giving himself the symptoms of schizophrenia. Or at least like letting himself experience the schizophrenia, whether it was he was doing it to himself or it was, I, would, I don't remember. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, well, I think what I said is 
he went ahead and made the bold move of of saying that the voices in his head weren't him, which is is uh, <laughs> yeah. like pretty like I said like a bold move like that yeah. especially for somebody studying psychosis which you know is schizophrenia at the time it was called mm. psychosis yeah but basically he believed that and I think there's a lot of truth in this that schizophrenia hearing voices that's part of a spectrum that leads all the way back to like just thinking and hearing thoughts Mm -hmm. and then it's not that what they were experiencing was a critical sickness it was just the way they were dealing with it it might have just been thoughts and they were like where are those coming from yeah it was just it was a but not all thoughts just some yeah it was it's just a bad reaction to something we can all experience so that so he went ahead and experienced vivid visions and encounters with people that told him what to do and how to be, mm-hmm. you know, but approached it from a different angle and was able to encapsulate it in in his study of mm-hmm. the human mind. And the conclusion that he, you know, came to, which we'll see if I come to the same conclusion in my own studies, trying to follow this path, <laughs> is that the mind consciousness isn't like a discrete and disconnected individual thing. It is a connected piece of a larger conscious body mm-hmm. that we're all plugged into. And though we have gates and we have fences in between our conscious mind, our subconscious mind, and the shared universal unconscious, mm-hmm. right? The collective unconscious is what uh, Jung called it. We have walls in place so that we're able to function as human beings. <clears throat> if you break those walls or if those walls are broken and you're just experiencing the collective unconscious all the time, people are going to look at you and say, you're schizophrenic. Yeah. It's not that what you're experiencing isn't true, but it's like it you're not filtering it appropriately yeah, and so to live your life. As a result, you're not really able to function. Yeah. Because it's that whatever filter or wall or whatever it is, is kind of... Gateways. Yeah. They're gateways, right? <laughs> so the whole, the whole thing with the gateway experience is finding those walls finding the gates, which are the openings in those dividing lines, and being able to open and walk through them at will. So right? what you're saying is the next couple episodes are going to get fucking weird. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm saying that as we follow Young through his journey of self-exploration, I'm going to be trying to figure out how to open those gates in my own mind and hopefully how to close them. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully it's not a one-way. Hopefully they don't get stuck open. <laughs> yeah. And if they do, I don't know. It's been cool. It's been real. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's where we're headed, man. That's the um, the journey that we're going to embark on together. Cool. I'm looking forward to it. Is this gateway process, yeah. the gateway experience. And it's, uh, I feel, I feel better knowing that Young did it himself. And yeah, and was able to recover and still function. Yeah, I was able to be <laughs> an extremely successful, you know, he had a, he had a wife and children and he lived a, a happy and normal life and never at any point was anyone like this guy's crazy and can't function. Yeah. And it gave him a profound sense of connectedness to the world and to his version of divinity. And it, I, you know, it was a profound part of who he was were yeah. these experiences. And this all really happened to him when he was between the ages of like 32 and 40. Mm-hmm. So it's a similar. I'm 30. I'll be 31 tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) if you're listening to this podcast on release day i'll be 31 tomorrow 
I don't know, man. I see a lot of correlatives between Young and Young's experience and just where I'm at in my life and in my experience of my own spirituality. Like I said, I haven't been down this road, but I've been in these woods before. <laughs> you know, Salvia kidnapped me and threw me in the middle of the woods and yeah. <laughs> wandered around a little <laughs> a bit times. before I jumped back. Yeah, several times. So it's um, it's cool to, to go back to this sort of, I don't know, it's cool to just... Um, Explore the space. <laughs> really? Yeah. Explore the space. Yeah, no, it's cool to just allow yourself the idea that maybe you can, maybe it's worthwhile to connect to this other part of your brain yeah. and like see what's out there and see what you can get out of it. I'm excited. I'm I'm really digging it. It's, it's weird. I mean, it's maybe this is off the episode, but over the last year or so, like since before we started talking about this podcast, like this theme has been coming up for me a lot. This yeah. like exploration of the subconscious, like through different mediums, like through books I would see or just like a video that would come up or whatever. I feel like I've been sort of pushed and corralled in this direction over the last year. By who? The algorithm. Probably the algorithm. <laughs> yeah. But also, you know, non-internet related mm-hmm. sources like conversations I've had with real people in real yeah. life and real books that I found and picked up and looked at. The So I would say the greater algorithm, right? The algorithm, the collective unconscious. That algorithm that one the big one the big one the over algorithm yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah uh is is putting is putting me on this road i'm ex- i'm honestly excited to be going down it feels like the right way nice yeah it feels like i'm on the right path so buckle up buckle up buckle up oh should we friend. open a fucking fortune cookie here yeah let's do it stop waiting for that train you've already missed whoa First reactions, go. Well, first of all, it's kind of accusing me of having missed a train. It's accusing me of being late, which never. I'm prompt. I'm a punctual, Person. chronically punctual, almost right. too punctual at times. Overpunctual. We've talked about this. We have. <laughs> have we talked about this on the podcast? Not on the podcast, no. no. Yeah, I showed up early for his coworkers' fucking <laughs> oh, yeah. retirement party. I had to yeah. help set up. Yeah, I did that at the baby shower, too. <laughs> I did that at the baby shower, too. I was. People say show up at 2, show up at 7. I show up right when they tell me to show up. I'm the first one there. I have to help set shit up. Anyway, that's not what the, no. the cookie's we talking, talking about. about. I think we were talking to having a similar conversation about the sunk cost fallacy. Yeah, when we were hanging out with, yeah, when we were with Chris and Rocco at dinner the other night, sunk cost. Yeah, the sunk cost fallacy is when you um, feel like you have to stay committed to something because you've already invested either time or money, even though like you kind of intellectually know it's a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. Which is sort of what this is talking about. Stop waiting for the train you've already missed. Maybe. Touches on that. That kind of implies that you've missed the train that you're about to get on, you know, the the subconscious uh, journey you're about to... Stop waiting for it. Yeah. Just start walking down the track. Oh, there you go. (laughs) There we go. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like, don't wait for the fucking train. It already left. Yeah. Start running. There are faster ways. There are ways, dude. There are ways. Stop waiting for that train. Yeah, don't wait for the train. Just uh, get on the next one. Yeah, there'll be there'll be another one in about five minutes. Yeah, get on the. I mean, if we had an actual robust public transit system, yeah, that'd be nice. Then you wouldn't have to worry about the train. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just get, get on one. another one. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I think that about wraps her up. That about does it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. We're thanks for listening. Tune in next week. We'll get into some more cool shit. I think. Yeah, I think by next week I will have done two or three more of the gateway 
experience tapes. So we'll see how crazy I am. <laughs> yeah. If I've done any remote remote viewing. Yeah. We'll see. Probably. I mean, I'm, I don't think. I think it's it'll a, take a couple tapes. I think it takes a while. Yeah. <laughs> it might take like a year. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. But it, uh, you know, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Happy New Year. Yeah. Happy New Year. Um, it's been uh, this one will be full of our podcast. This next whole whole next year should have a lot of our podcast in it. Uh, yeah, we might even we might come out with fifty two episodes this year. That'd be that's one of our goals. It's one of our goals. One a week. We don't want to leave you guys wanting yeah. for any reason. But hey, uh, go ahead, send us some feedback. Beautiful animals podcast at gmail.com send us your thoughts and prayers and birthday wishes for me birthday oh yeah your birthday's fucking tomorrow my birthday's tomorrow be 31 years young yes sir great time to go and see <laughs> anyway all right stay it's been real out there. juice it boys and girls Please. go out there find some melons find some melons juice them you know the drill melon juice take her easy dude yeah sanding drywall which is everybody's fucking favorite thing to do in the yeah. world but i'm sanding the drywall and i'm like feeling it with my hand like for imperfections and like finding them and like just rubbing them you know away and like blowing off the dust and like stroking the wall and like yeah. engaging with it like full focus not listening to music not doing anything like just being in the moment with the fucking wall and with the <laughs> yeah. sheetrock and with the light in the room and like participating in that moment kind of wholly and completely and like like feeling the fucking sheetrock and like just thinking about it and, and it felt super rewarding yeah I, who knows how much i got done maybe not that much but like yeah but then i was done i was like yeah i worked on that sheetrock today you know, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> like i worked it <laughs> like yeah. man, it felt good